0: Welcome to the Draculina B-Movie Podcast, episode number 8. My name is Hugh Gallagher, the owner of Draculina Publishing, responsible for multiple magazines, comics, and books before the internet destroyed the publishing business. In this episode, I interview Jackie Kelly. Jackie is fairly new in her career, but has already made an impact with movies like In Memory Of, a pilot for a TV show called Dope that used to be on Amazon, but for whatever reason is no longer available. She has done a movie with Scream Queen legend Debbie Rochon called The Man in Room 6, which is still in post-production. But I contacted Jackie after seeing her performance in the movie Tennessee Gothic, a sort of little tale of a young girl who seduces a farmer, his son, and a preacher and plays havoc on their lives as they come to grips with who or what she is. I reviewed the movie on Horrible Hughes' Coffin Reviews, and there are segments from this interview on the review. So if you want to see this beautiful actress please check it out on the Draculina YouTube channel. You can also find out more and buy the movie Tennessee Gothic at gypsyrootproductions.com. Before we jump into this interview, let me plug a couple websites. First there's draculina.com, where you can find back issues of Draculina, Scream Queens Illustrated, Oriental Cinema, She, Pinup, and more, including my movies Gorgasm, Gorotica, and Gore Horror on DVD. Podcast listeners can use the coupon POD20, that's pod two zero, and get 20% off their order. Also visit my new website, HorribleHue.com, for links to all the Horrible Hues Coffin Reviews episodes, where Horrible Hue reviews movies like She Kills, Slaughter Drive, Girls With Balls, Her Name Was Krista, Morbid Stories, Cannibal Hookers, and my latest review, Tennessee Gothic. Also get the Horrible Hue t-shirt a Horrible Hue face mask, and a free Horrible Hue sticker, just go to HorribleHue.com to find out how. So, without further ado, I bring you the interview with actress Jackie Kelly. You were born in Sleepy Hollow, Illinois. You immediately think of the Headless Horseman. Does being raised there create a bigger chance you'll be involved in horror when you grow up?
1: I don't know if growing up in Sleepy Hollow technically means you'll get into horror. I personally don't know anyone else from Sleepy Hollow that has pursued that, but I don't know everyone in the town. Um, but it's just a small town in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. And it's, it, it's kinda cool because every Halloween, at least, I don't know if they still do it, but when I was a kid, around Halloween every year they'd have a big bonfire set up, and the whole town would come and they'd have someone dressed up as the Headless Horseman with like a stump over their head, riding around the bonfire. it was really cool. I can't say if that had an influence on me in terms of my obsession with horror or what. You know, maybe many childhood experiences I had had an influence on me.
0: You started acting when you were young. What drew you to it?
1: I honestly can't remember what exactly drew me to acting. I think I was probably about 12 when I started doing musical theater. Honestly, the main reason I might have started doing it was because my older brother, I kind of like followed in his footsteps a lot growing up and he, you know, he did some of the plays and uh, he never pursued it, but I think I just kind of wanted to be like Sean, my older brother. Um, But yeah, I did musical theater for several years before actually working on film and I, I enjoy both mediums very much, but I stick much more to film now.
0: Did you write as a kid?
1: I actually spent most of my childhood as a competitive swimmer. I wasn't really involved in the arts a whole lot um, until I started doing musical theater when I was in maybe middle school. And um, I really, I was really bitten by the drama bug. And so I quit swimming and pursued that and started doing a bunch of plays. And it was around that time that I started writing, too, just... Um, Before I got any screenwriting software or anything, I just remember writing, you know, (laughs) what I thought screenplay format would look like in a journal. And I just had journals upon journals of, you know, short film and feature film ideas and just zany stuff. Um, I wrote a lot of poetry growing up, stuff like that. Always darker leaning things.
0: What was the Kelly household like?
1: So growing up, it was me, mom, dad, and my older brother, Sean. And my parents have always been incredibly supportive of everything I've pursued, whether it was, you know, sports or theater or writing, any of that. Um, To this day, they're still very supportive of everything I do. Um, Some of the content is perhaps a little subversive for their tastes, but... uh, They've always been really great and have you know, believed in my vision and stuck by my side regardless of what types of film roles I pursue. And uh, my brother, he, he actually works as a videographer. And so we're kind of in line with the same um, interests and he's very good at what he does and he's always been a source of inspiration for me and I've always looked up to him a lot.
0: You went to Webster University to study screenwriting?
1: So when I was in high school and I started, you know, writing a lot of screenplays, I was, I was watching a lot of horror films. I I fell in love with cinema. I was truly obsessed with it, and I knew that I wanted to pursue film. And my parents never told me that maybe that wasn't a wise idea. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I went to Webster, and at the beginning of my my studies there, I was actually in the film production program, and. It didn't take me too long to realize that uh, the technical element of filmmaking, production, lighting, things like that, um, directing... I mean, I'd still like to direct one day, but I, I just I didn't feel like it was what was right for me. I, I was terrible setting up lights. I, I didn't like running sound, anything like that. And I remembered that I really liked writing, so I spent the last three years that I was there in the screenwriting program And, um, honestly, like I met some great people in college and I learned some stuff, but I would say that I, I learned way more just making my first feature film than I did in four years of film school. So that's just me.
0: Which would you rather do, act or write?
1: I think acting comes a lot more natural to me than writing does. I love them both but I think I'm more gifted at performing. Writing is something that I really love and I think it's really gratifying because it just takes so much effort and so much brain power. But I I still think it, it's very difficult. You know, it's what I went to school for, but I still think it's the most challenging thing for me. But maybe that's part of why I like it is because I do have to work at it. And um, I just, I like, I I, I typically write, horror or dark drama and I just like going into that part of my psyche and just exploring. But I think that's what I like about both acting and writing. It's just being able to explore emotions and characters and things like that. But yeah, I, I wouldn't give either of them up. I I definitely do more acting now than I do writing. But I have a soft spot in my heart for both.
0: What kept you in St. Louis after attending school?
1: I graduated from Webster University in 2015 and I think what kind of kept me around was the fact that I don't have like a day job day job. I freelance as a performer and model, I'm a gig worker, you know, I have all kinds of odd jobs and I have found that St. Louis is a city where I can actually make a living in the arts, you know, and not having a job doing something that I don't want to be doing so that, that's the main reason I'm here right now um, and, and doing, you know, being a freelancer has made it a possibility for me to go off and, and shoot films for, you know, two weeks here, one month there and not get fired from a job. So, so for that, it's a good thing. You know, it's an affordable city to live in if you're trying to make a career in the arts.
0: What's the story behind the TV pilot Dope? How did you get involved?
1: I guess I met Trevor Younger and Carrie Younger who were the director and producer of Dope in 2014. I was an extra in one of their films called Joe Rahan and Insano Vision, And um, then I didn't really get to know them terribly well on that shoot because I think I was only there for a day or so. But um, they wanted to meet with me because they had seen a short film that I acted in called The Dress where I play kind of a closeted transgender character. And they cast me in this TV pilot based off of that. And um, <laughs> it was a really, really crazy shoot, very guerrilla filmmaking. Um, I think we shot for like two weeks straight and like beginning of August in, in St. Louis. So it was just like really sweaty. I remember being really hot.
0: Were there multiple episodes already written or was it just a pilot being shopped around just to get interest?
1: Uh, To the best of my knowledge, there were more than one episodes written of dope. We only shot the one. Um, I don't know exactly why. I I don't know if it was a money thing or what, but I would love to shoot more of that series. I think it has a lot of potential. It's, It's really cool because it's, It's gritty and, you know, violent and crass, but it's also really funny, I think, and it just has an interesting cast of characters. So I would love to uh, shoot more of that, but I don't know if that's really in the cards.
0: In Memory Of was your first feature starring role. I understand you helped write it. How much did you contribute to the script?
1: I co-wrote In Memory Of with Eric Stanzi and Jason Christ, and... I got involved in that actually because I I had contacted Eric Stanzi probably in 20, 2013 or 2014, just wondering if he was in production or pre-production on anything because I was interested in just interning on one of his sets. And I got to know the core group of people, and uh, pretty quickly they asked me... They knew I was going to school for screenwriting, and they asked me if I would be a writer on the film. And so how that worked was... Eric and Jason had the main concept of the film already worked out. And then they they brought me on and we kind of fleshed out a treatment, the three of us. And then the actual writing process itself, what we did was we just split the script into a third. But it wasn't like, this is Jackie's third, this is Eric's, and this is Jason's. It was picked and chosen <laughs> throughout the film, just based off of, you know, who who might be good at writing this kind of stuff, or who conceptualized this scene, and um, yeah, it ended up just being split up like that, and luckily the three of us are pretty like-minded, and we have similar ideas about what makes a, a film interesting and what doesn't make a film interesting, so um, considering there were three writers on the film, there wasn't a whole lot of headbutting, which I was happy about, because I was worried about that from the get-go. Um, yeah, really fulfilling experience writing with those two. I have mad respect for both of them. They're both brilliant men with deranged little ideas in their brains, which I appreciate very much.
0: What was the shoot like, and how did you feel about the finished movie?
1: Shooting in memory of, I, I will never forget making that film, just because it was my first feature film, and it was with a Group of artists that I had had respect for before I even met them. Like I'd been following Wicked Pixel Films for several years, so I, I knew what they were about. I loved the films, and so it was such an honor to get to work with them and collaborate them, uh, collaborate with them on, on in in a big way. And uh, we had a blast. It was maybe I think it was like a forty-six day shoot, so it was it was pretty intense over the course of about three months or so. And some of the, the stuff, um, if you've seen the film, there's a lot of um, scenes that were shot in the Southwest. And so me and Eric Stanzi and Jason Chris, we actually road tripped for about two weeks, drove from St. Louis and then down to like Oklahoma, Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, Utah. And we just shot along the way. And so when you watch the film, we were actually taking the same route that you're watching the central character take. And um, it was it was a really, really fun experience. I, I met some of my best friends making that film to this day, and um, I love collaborating with them, and I always will.
0: I see Tennessee Gothic's director, Jeff Wedding, was involved with that movie. Is that where he approached you about being in his film?
1: Around the beginning of the In Memory of shoot, we had Jeff Wedding and Katie Groschong come in and help with the film. Jeff Wedding was serving as an assistant director for about four or five days of the film. And Katie Groshong, the producer of Tennessee Gothic, she played a supporting role in In Memory Of. So the two of them drove up from Tennessee to uh, help us make the film. And I guess that's where they got to know me and, and they thought about me to play the, the leading lady in Tennessee Gothic, which is interesting because they couldn't be more different roles, but um I think they just saw my my energy and willingness to um do crazy shit and they they invited me on board and I'm really happy that I that I joined them on Tennessee Gothic.
0: Tennessee Gothic was shot on sixteen millimeter film. Was that your first time working on film? And what sort of pressure was that? Because every shot costs money.
1: Uh, so there is absolutely a lot more pressure when you are an actor in a film that's actually being shot on film. That is for sure. Uh, but I really enjoy that process because I think it makes. For, speaking from my personal experience, I think it made me perform better. Just because you know that you know every every shot you're getting, you have two maybe three takes of everything, and so you really you have to know that script inside out. You you know because. You don't want to blow it. Um, so I really enjoyed that element of the film and I, I love the way it looks. I think it it works really well with the tone of the film. Um, one of the things that <laughs> I was really taken aback by when we were when we first started shooting that film was there was a shot where I had to be lying down and the camera was like right by my head over here and they started rolling and the thing made so much noise. And it, it just because I'd only shot films you know, that were digital, it never even dawned upon me that maybe a, a film camera might make noise. And it was just kind of cool. So, I, yeah, I really enjoyed shooting that on film. Um, I am not a cinematographer by any means. I'm not a cinematography nerd. And I, I mean that not in a bad way. If you're a nerd of cinematography, that's great. But I personally am not, so I don't know if I would shell out the cash to do it, but I have so much respect for people that are still shooting on film. It's it's definitely its own art form.
0: What were your initial thoughts when you read the script for Tennessee Gothic, and did the finished movie live up to your expectations?
1: I was immediately intrigued by the script for Tennessee Gothic when Jeff gave me a copy of it, mainly because I looked at the character of Sylvia and I had never played anything like that before. I feel like I, I'm generally cast in these very dark and brooding types of roles because I, I personally think that that's what I like to play the most and I, I think it might be what I'm best at playing. Um, so I was really intrigued by that and intimidated just because Sylvia is obviously a very sexy and flirtatious character and I am neither of those things in real life. So it was... It was a challenge for me to step outside of my comfort zone and try to embody that. Um, because I, I actually feel really self-conscious, acting sexy and stuff. <laughs> so uh, i was I was really intrigued by the script and it was bold. I liked that it was bold and it 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 really pushed the envelope. And so I was so excited when they uh, when I sent in an audition and they they ended up casting me in the film. I'm very grateful for that.
0: Did it state how old Sylvia was in the script? You did not look like a girl under 18 years of age. Was there any effort to make you look younger than you are? Or was that just an element with no emphasis just to coordinate the other aspects of the script?
1: You saying I look old? I'm just kidding. <laughs> don't quote me on this, but I, I don't believe it's stated in the script how old Sylvia was. It's based off of a short story by Ray Russell I have read the story, but it's been years. I read the story before we went into production on Tennessee Gothic. It might state in that story how old old she is, but I don't believe that the script that Jeff Wedding adapted specifically said how old she was. Um, They didn't try to make me look younger or anything. I think it was just the idea that she is young. It wasn't terribly important that she be, you know, 16. Um... Just the idea that she's young and she's seducing these much older men, um, I think that that gets the point across in my opinion. But I don't recall there being a specified age for the character.
0: I like the movie, but I really feel like it would have been a better straight-up horror film. The elements of the father and the son and what could have been done in a more serious story had a lot of horror potential.
1: When I actually read the script of Tennessee Gothic, I actually thought that it would be more of a horror film, too. I thought it would have um, a much darker tone. And it wasn't until we got on set and the cast of characters like Ryan, Ryan Watson and Victor Hollingsworth and Wynn Reichert who played the preacher, they're just funny dudes. And I think that's... Being on set was really where that film, you know, the tone of the film you know, took took its hold. Um, I think it's a really sweet movie. I, I remember when I watched it for the first time not thinking it would be as sweet as it was because I never do sweet movies. But I actually really enjoy that about it because even though it is, it's it's kind of nasty and it's, it's kind of crass, like there is a sweetness in it and I actually appreciate the, the comedic relief and, you know, I, I never do comedy films granted that my character in Tennessee Gothic isn't really a comedic role but it was it was kind of a nice change of pace to do something that did fall more into that genre just because it's something that my resume doesn't have a whole lot of
0: I really think what sells a movie is your acting
1: thank you very much I appreciate that
0: and also Eric Stanzi's cinematography the movie looks beautiful do you two have a good working relationship
1: Me and Eric Stanzi have a really great working relationship together. Um, yeah, our first collaboration was on In Memory Of, and that was the second film we did together. And we we both are in a very similar headspace about filmmaking and just kind of doing whatever it takes to make the film work, but at the same time making sure to not create a tense or hostile environment on a set. Eric is such a joy to work with. He's he's so intelligent, and um, I really like that you watch him make a film and you see every gear turning in his head. And um, I also really appreciate that he's always very open to my ideas, what I think that I can bring to a character that might not be specifically stated in a script, and he's he's just definitely an actor's director. He wants to make the actors feel comfortable, and he wants their input. He's he's not so precious with his words that he won't allow an actor to give their input and possibly reword things in a way they think might work a little better. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've been directed by Eric. I have acted in scenes with Eric. I've written with Eric, and um, I enjoy every step of the process with him. He's a great collaborator.
0: There's an abundance of nudity and sex scenes. Were you comfortable with that or did you have any reservations?
1: As an actor, I do not have any discomfort with nudity. I think a human body is a human body. It doesn't make me self-conscious to be nude in front of a camera or around, you know, a set with a bunch of other, you know, people making the, the process work. That that doesn't make me particularly uncomfortable. Um sex scenes, I feel like that is That is, in a way, stepping outside of my comfort zone because I do not identify as someone who is terribly open about my, my, open with my sexuality, um, it's just not a way that I really conduct myself, and so (laughs) it was a little weird trying to, you know, portray this, this sultry vixen type of character, um, But I'm glad that I I did the scenes because it it did help me to step outside of my comfort zone and it's actually made me feel more comfortable in other areas of performance where, you know, I might have not felt as comfortable before because when you do a sex scene, you're really really just putting it all out there for the whole world to see. And um, as an actor, I think it's important to step outside of your comfort zone if you want to achieve, you know, new levels. And um, from my experience as an actor... Um, when I, this first several years that I acted, I think I I delivered very stilted, um, boring performances because I was self-conscious about, you know, how other people might perceive me and, um, getting out of that mindset and really just not caring about what other people think about you and just doing what you, what your instincts tell you is right. Um, it is is it's helped me a lot with my um acting work and shooting things like sex scenes or, you know, intimate scenes is the kind of thing that definitely makes you feel more confident in other areas of your acting.
0: I heard you say on another podcast that you had an easier time with the rape scene than the lovemaking scenes. Why was it easier?
1: I, I don't feel very sexy in my normal life. Um I'm not at all flirtatious, at all, and uh, so there was a lot of finessing. In terms of how Jeff had to direct me, there was, we had to do a lot of work to make sure that the the sultry element of the character was believable. Um, in terms of the rape scene, I had never done a straightforward rape scene before, but I really like doing really intense stressful scenes, you know, um bringing out this this um distressed character. Um I find it to be very cathartic and I I can look back at uh specific experiences I'm I've had in my life and pull from that and kind of bring it to you know, another, a fictional scene where, you know, the emotion might be sort of similar or, you know, how could I heighten it in this way or, you know, bring it down in this way. And so I actually, that's when I read the script, that was one of the scenes that I was most excited for because I read that material and I was just like, yeah, I can, I can bring this. I can bring the fear and then the anger. Um, that's something that I really like to do. And I, I feel really good when I'm on set and I get to just Lose myself, and it can almost be kind of an outer, an outer body experience for me when I just feel like I've I've become the character, and I don't think about you know the person holding you know the flag over here or the C stand over there, and you know all the other people behind the camera, and I can just fully embrace the emotion and tension of a scene. So, yeah, I I would definitely say my comfort level was higher shooting the rape scene than all of the sex scenes but you know as as we kept shooting more and more of the film and there is a lot of sex scenes or just intimate scenes I would say my comfort level definitely I got more comfortable doing that kinds of things because it it just became almost routine you know it was just in line with with the character and um I got more used to it
0: do you watch many no-budget horror movies
1: I watch a lot of horror movies. I've always watched a lot of horror movies since I was a kid. My dad's a big horror fan. My brother's a horror fan. And so I remember around age 15 or 16 just really diving down the rabbit hole and just watching all kinds of nasty stuff like Cannibal Holocaust and a bunch of 80s slashers and stuff. And it really just opening, um, uh, opening up a new world to me. And it was a very exciting time in my life. Uh but so I, yeah I watch a lot of just horror films in general. I watch a lot of art house, avant-garde type stuff. Um I'm a big David Lynch fan. Um I love Harmony Korine films. I love York Buquerque films. Um but I I also do have a penchant for some of the no budget films too because I watch those and and it's kind of fun to to pick it apart and try to understand how they made things work, you know, for the film. Um and I think those can be really inspirational films for you know aspiring filmmakers or actors to watch because you see what happens in the film and you're like oh i i could I could do that you know I could get some collabor- some friends and collaborators together, and we could make something like that happen um so I guess some of off the top of my head, some of my favorite no budget movies would be um the Bunny game by Adam Ramier. and I watched one maybe six months ago that I really liked, uh, Cat Sick Blues, really twisted little flick out of Australia. Um, I love stuff like that, the darker the better. And I think that's what I really like about low budget films is that you don't have a studio telling you what the masses want to see, what the masses might be offended by. And so you can really do whatever you want. And so I think if you watch the no budget stuff, you're a lot more likely to see something really deranged. And for me, when I'm watching films, that is the mark of a good movie. Like if this movie makes me feel uncomfortable and disturbed, it has done its job. And I will think about it for days and days or weeks or months after I watch it. So I really appreciate that about the lower budget stuff. It's just you have a greater opportunity to really push the envelope that you you don't get when you see um, big studio productions.
0: I heard you were shooting something with Debbie Rochon. Can you tell us about that?
1: I've been working on a film called The Man in Room 6. I play the lead character in that, and it does feature supporting roles from uh, Debbie Rochon and Bill Oberst, Jr. I I am making, I, I made this film with Trevor Younger and Carrie Younger, who also, I worked, who I worked with on dope. And, uh, that it's, it's been a huge commitment. We, we shot that film for a long time and it means so much to me. Um, it, we shot it during, um, a time in my life that was for personal reasons was very, a very pivotal time in my life. And, um, it's it's a really interesting script, and it's I I I had never read another script like it before, so I, I'm really excited for that one to get finished.
0: How did you like working with Debbie?
1: Debbie Rochon is one of my favorite actors I've ever worked with. Debbie is just she's done so much stuff, and she's just a real professional. Like she she feels com you can tell she feels comfortable on a set, and one of the things I really like about her is that. She's a jokester, and, you know, she doesn't come in to to a film just like, I'm an actor, just treat me like talent. Um, She gets along with everyone on set. You know, she interacts with everyone making the movie, the grips, the sound guy, everyone. And uh, she's just a real joy to work with. Um, I would work again with Debbie in a heartbeat. I love Debbie.
0: So what other things do you have coming out?
1: So there's that, The Manor Room 6. Um... That is my most recently wrapped feature film. Um, I'm working on a handful of shorts right now that are in pre-production. And on top of that, me and Eric Stanzi have been working on a very small feature together. Um, I can't divulge too much information about that. But those are the things that I have coming up next, which you can expect to see from me next.
0: Being a writer, I assume you have some great epic movie you're aching to do. Or maybe something you've already written?
1: So a lot of my writing, I've noticed that I have this problem where I I just have this tendency to write a large cast that is primarily compiled of small children. You know, and they're, they're just placed in dark situations. But, you know, that's... On an indie film, that's kind of like a producer's nightmare. It's like finding and working with kids that can handle the long days of an indie film set and, um, just, just finding kids that are excited about what we're doing. Um, so I've had to work as a writer to, you know, to, to think as a producer while I'm writing, as opposed to just writing, you know, my wildest fantasies, because when I first started writing, that's what I did. And now that I have a little bit more experience working in indie films, I know that some of that stuff just isn't doable on our budget level. Um, but There is a film that I've been working on writing for... It's an idea that I've had for many, many years and just started um, co-writing that one maybe six months ago. And it's kind of an erotic thriller. And um, I I hope to produce it one day. uh, But of course, that's still a little up in the air. But but that that would be my dream project. Um, That would be my dream to make that film.
0: When you're not shooting movies... What do you do with your free time?
1: Over the past year or so? No, no, no. Yeah, about a year or so. I've gotten really into fitness, which is really weird because I always hated working out so much. But I've actually, like, kind of gotten weirdly addicted to it. And, like, I'm in a really bad mood if I don't work out. So that's one of my biggest hobbies right now. And I also am really into gardening. I grow a lot of vegetables. And every year my garden just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And with each passing year, I'm I'm getting a little bit better at it. And um, I find that to be really rewarding. I don't have any children or pets at the moment. So my garden is kind of like my little babies. And I care for them and watch them grow. And I, I just, I really like watching things grow. I think plants are very fascinating. I like the way that they they move even when you don't see them moving. Um, so that's that's become uh, quite the hobby for me over the past few years.
0: I know you're young, but have you done anything so far that you've regretted or maybe not done something you now wish you had?
1: I mean, I don't think you're a human being if you don't have regrets. I mean, sure, I probably dated some guys over the years that I, I wish I didn't date, things like that. Um, Thankfully, I've, I've been involved with so many great artists making films over the years. I I have very little filmmaking regrets. Um, I have a handful of films that I've done that maybe I wish I, you know, I, I won't speak about these films, but maybe it wasn't the best idea to get involved in them. But all in all, um, I've felt very fulfilled by my career up until this point, and I don't really want to live with regrets because, you know, even if you make mistakes, I feel like it just makes your story more interesting. It's just a chapter and it doesn't uh, dictate your entire life.
0: Are you content in acting in lower budgeted independent projects? Or are you wanting to move up the ladder to bigger productions or possibly going to California?
1: I love acting in indie films. Um, of course. Yeah. I mean, if, if, the opportunity came up. I would love to work on some, some bigger pictures. However, like as a, as a cinephile, I don't watch a whole lot of like big Hollywood films. It's not really what I like to watch. So I'm not, I'm not aching to go out to Hollywood and, you know, be the next big A-lister. That That's not enticing to me. Um, of course I would like to, I, I make my, my living as a performer in in many capacities, um, and, of course, I would like to, you know, make more money doing what I do, but it's not my end goal to um, to gain uh, fame and, and riches from making films. I really like what I see coming out of the indie scene. And, um, yeah, I, I'm not really super into a whole lot of studio stuff. I feel like I can talk someone's ear off about, you know, more subversive cinema, but as soon as someone starts talking to me about you know Oscar nominated films I I get totally lost in the conversation it's just not something I have a whole lot of interest in not to say that there aren't great films that are made in the studio system of course there are you know it's just uh, I have definitely more indie leanings in terms of how I watch films so just naturally it makes sense that those are the types of films that I would be interested in working on
0: What is the one thing that everyone should know before pursuing an acting career
1: there are many avenues that an actor can take. Um, my one true love is independent film. I like acting in independent film, but career-wise, as an actor, I make I make my living doing all kinds of different types of performance. You know, I, I perform for kids sometimes. I do a lot of work as an artist's model. Um, I do some voice work. I'll, whatever pays the bills and that I can find fulfilling. So, um, I would definitely give that advice to someone pursuing acting to not just think of acting as being in a play or being in a film and that there are other roads you can take. And it's really good because it kind of keeps, it keeps you a a well-oiled machine when you're constantly working, even if it's not the exact, you know, the exact thing that you're wanting to do, it's good to keep those muscles working. So then when you do get on you know, a film set or or in a play, you feel like you're prepared for it and you you don't feel rusty. The the other piece of advice that I would give to aspiring actors is to be open-minded, but to have standards. And that's something that I've had to learn over the years. Um, and I, I think it is important to not look at cinema as, you know, just one thing and and to explore more, you know, more art house films or experimental ideas um but still you know have enough faith in yourself that you have good instinct you have good gut instincts as a human being and um you know do your research before you you decide to jump on board a film and make sure it's worth your while and that there are people that you know are going to respect you and treat you like uh like a, a collaborator and not just a puppet Um, I think acting is a a really fun career. It does require a lot of patience and you're not going to get rich overnight. If that's, that's another thing that I can tell you from experience is, um, if you want to make money immediately, don't be an actor. Um, but it is a very fulfilling career and I feel that, um, I have had, um, just a wealth of strange, interesting, and wonderful experiences in the past several years making films, and I I wouldn't uh, change it for the world.
0: Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Draculina's B-Movie Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I would like to urge everyone listening to take time to go to YouTube and subscribe to the Draculina YouTube channel, where you can see all the horrible hues, coffin reviews. And there's some other Draculina content that I'm working on that I really don't think you'll want to miss trying to build an audience, so please share this on Facebook or wherever else you think you might be able to plug Horrible Hue and get some more people in there. It doesn't cost you anything, so just go to YouTube channel and subscribe. I appreciate it. Also, you can watch Horrible Hue on Avail TV. You can get the channel for free on your Roku, Apple TV, or Amazon Fire. Okay, I'm done plugging stuff, but be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You won't want to miss an episode. And go to Draculina.com and HorribleHue.com. Okay, I'm done plugging stuff. The background music on this episode is from a band I was in back in the 80s called Hell. This song was Give em Hell, actually recorded in a trailer I was living in at the time. Ah, the good old days. So, until next time, don't let life suck the life out of you.